2002, it was guys like Low Key, Christopher Daniels, who laid the foundation for this company. It's guys like AJ Styles and Samoa Joe that are still putting bricks on this company. Fear money! TNA is a bunch of hardworking young athletes who are looking to change the wrestling world. Grey Wolf Entertainment presents Maximum Impact with Ned and Nims. Welcome everyone to another huge edition of Maximum Impact here on the Grey Wolf Network. My name is Nimsazor, joined as always by my tag team partner, Neddy, the great man himself, the man who is one half of the We're Old Now podcast that is doing absolute <laughs> gangbusters at the moment. First off, Neddy, good to see you again, bro, because it's been a hot minute that we've had a, uh, a chat here since the last pack chat. But um, man, you've got some pretty big interviews. Kicked it all off with Bill Mosley, which was a cool chat. Very much love that. And that's also on the podcast feed now too. I saw that dropped... Um, we're recording this on a Saturday that record, I think a day or two ago. So if you haven't seen the video or you can't see a video for whatever reason, it's on the gray wolf podcast feed, make sure you check it out. But yeah, you and Fitz have been knocking it out of the park, man. Oh, thank you. Nim. Yeah. Appreciate that intro, man. And yes, the we're old now podcast is something that we've spoken about in depth sort of thing. We're throwing back to the good old days of, you know, pop culture and all that sort of thing. And we kicked it off with a couple of horror movie sort of interviews there Nim, because we are a big fan of those sort of b grade c grade and even d grade horror movies and it was all sort of to tie in with astronomicon there in michigan so yeah bill mosley and michael berryman on there we've got a couple more lined up which we won't drop their names with yet and of course we're going to have an actual podcast where we go through and basically get a little bit of a, a bit of an overlay of what we had in our bedrooms back in the day Nim. and i guess you're gonna have to jump on there too man i'm pretty sure We've sort of had a look into the bedroom of Nimazor. There wouldn't have changed much since, since like the early nineties. I wouldn't have thought. No, no, it gets really. It's it's quite a shock to the system when you realise your clerks' posters that you hung up when you're a teenager <laughs> are now like falling off at the seams because you've had them since you're a teenager. <laughs> Oh, I love that right there. I tell you what, there's a lot of things in my bedroom. Not many females, though. Very much. I love, like, we always talk about it. The only reason that girls would talk to us back in high school was. Hey, do you know anything about windows or how to fix windows? <laughs> <laughs> for a good, for a fix my computer. For a good, uh, for a good while, um, the only girl that ever set foot in my bedroom was the Chasing Amy poster with. Uh... <laughs> But you're going to say your mum. Pretty stock standard mine there too, buddy. It's actually pretty funny too, because back at my parents' house, like I've still got all my posters up and whatnot in my bedroom. And there is still a, uh, one of the weirdest posters that you will ever see. And maybe we'll we'll get a little, we'll pop the poster up on uh, a photo of it on the Maximum Impact uh, Facebook page. But it is John Cena and Method Man for some reason. Don't know why. Oh, you got a poster of Cena and Method Man. That is cool. Well, the, one of the things I loved about wrestling back in the day and when I was a full-on John Cena fan, I still am. I still love Cena. But what I loved with him was, you know, basic thugonomics and all that sort of thing. John Cena, he's got that rap album out back in the day. You remember that? So maybe he sort of was rubbing shoulders there with Method Man and a couple of those rappers. And it's, you know, the album, classic. I loved it. Can't think I of the name of it now. I, th I believe I think it was you can't see me uh you can't see me now but it was it was actually a really really cool album and still uh, holds the test of time if you actually have that in your collection 
hang on to it because it's going at some crazy eBay prices at the moment. But uh, hey, look, we're here- true because you know this guy's got a copy. <laughs> I've got a copy there somewhere near him. I had to get myself a copy of that. That is all sorts of. It was John Cena, and he had some the trademark some guy that wrapped on a wig. That's it, John Cena and the trademark. Man, what a great album that was right there. That's nostalgic right there. That was not even during my times at home, though, Nims. I'd left the the nest by then. Yeah, it it was a great album. John Cena and his cousin, the trademark, a.k.a. Mark Breaker. That's his cousin. Yeah, yeah. Mark Breaker. Mark Breaker is his name. And to link it back to our podcast, Mark Breaker, the trademark, he's the guy that did Kurt Angle's theme song. What the, you suck. No, 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 no. You, you suck. No, no, you know he's, you know he's, uh, you know he's a TNA theme song, you know, the doo-doo-doo, and then there's like someone rapping yeah. over the top of it. That is John that Cena's cousin. Mark. Yeah. Oh, hell yeah, man. That's awesome. That's, you know, one of these podcasts, I don't know whether it be on this or we're old now or something like that. We're going to have to talk about music and wrestling, sort of how it ties in together. Because me and Herb were always massive on that. Our buddy Herb's big time, you know, droogy metalhead. And we loved it when this sort of stuff popped up. More recently, Kane Hill popped up on an NXT. Mm-hmm. That's recently, is in a couple of years ago. But I remember Rob Zombie had Edge's theme song there for a while. A lot of fun stuff with good music and pro wrestling nim i know some of your buddies that you are friends up with there in melbourne get into a bit of the metal and the wrestling side of things as well yeah it's a it's quite a a big overlap uh, i mean and you, you talk about like rob zombie rob zombie back in 2002 he basically did every second pay per view, like the no way out pay per view um had him there as like you know his soundtrack was there and other bands too like they were WWE really got onto that sort of new metal back in the day. And in fact, they actually had their own label, SmackDown Records, which there's an album called Forcible Entry. So I'm looking at the track listing. Look at this. And now this was released in 2002. You've got is that Brown, an actual, yeah. It's an actual album. WWF Forcible Entry is what it's called. You've got excellent Drowning Pool. Um yes. Kid, Kid Rock. Yeah. Uh, all good. Um Disturbed. Hell yeah. Breaking Point. Um, Our Lady Peace. Marilyn Manson. Seven <laughs> Dust. Hell yeah, man. Saliva. Yes, saliva. Um, Stereo Mud. I don't know much of their work. Stereo Mud. Um, Monster Magnet. And uh, just, just to throw in a bit more randomness, Cypress Hill. Yeah, got to throw Cypress Hill in there, man. They had that rap metal crossover back in the... They very much got amongst that new metal sort of sound in with Skull and Bones in the late 90s right there. Love it, Azor. Love it. That's what I love, wrestling and metal music. It always surprised me that you weren't into the heavier side of things, man. Uh, being a big-time WWE guy. Yeah, that, I just never jumped onto that boat back in the day, but uh, I was more of the the pop gimmick back in 02 when when you guys were probably you know um, getting all your Megadeth and what. Actually, no, that's a lie because I did go and see uh, Metallica live at the 2005 Big Day Out. Just because I figured, I'm like, yeah, I Herb's bought- would have been there as well. I, I'm not even going to speculate whether I was there in 2005. I'm pretty <laughs> sure I was. <laughs> But I don't want to say it in case I wasn't because the old man brain has kicked in. But you and Herbs could have, you know, been in a very small 50,000 crowd together. Him taking up a big portion of that 50,000. <laughs> <laughs> 
back in the day, yes. Because not of course, anymore, is all. Yeah, he's svelte he's now. His best he, life. He is very much. Uh, how do we put it? He like he he looks down upon us two as the two fatties of the friendship group. That. Oh, he does. And he's very quick to fat shame us as well. But the great thing about Jay here is, and we've often talked about this without his now lovely, oh no, they're not fiance. Like I keep saying that, but they're not. I'm pretty sure he's still married to his ex, but that's another, that's another matter story for another day. Yeah. But without her, I'm pretty sure Jay would not be in the shape that he's in today. Fair to say. He would be still living in that cave. He'd still be watching horror at four in the morning and they'd still be boxes upon boxes in his living room of stuff that I'd, I wouldn't send a forensic team in to have a look at. And no one would as all. No one would, man. But the point with this one is, is big old Jay. I, <laughs> well, how do we get talking about Jay Salher? I can't remember, but I, I do want to tell people, I just, I just want to share one funny story. Uh, when I helped him move out of 37 Gimmick Street, Let's just say that I uh, happen to stumble across a box of adult entertainment <laughs> movies. <laughs> and the part that, that really made me laugh was that it was next to a pristine leaf blower and a dartboard. Never been used. <laughs> that is a hell of a Saturday night. So if you ever doubt that uh, the wonderful April has been a positive influence, that is what he was dealing with prior very much so. She whipped him right into shape. She probably set fire to his big box of pornography and it's been game on since then. But yes, Jay, what I was about to say was I actually did get invited to be a part of DDP Yoga. I'm not sure if he, this is a very well... Have we ever put this one out to people before? Herbs did lose a ridiculous amount of weight and he was always hashtagging DDP Yoga, et cetera, et cetera. But... The truth be told, it didn't have too much to do with DDP yoga. It was more his keto diet and what April had him on. So it was all keto and April making him eat keto that made him lose probably 40, 50 kilos. It's a lot of weight. And Jay caught the attention of the DDP people and they've contacted him. And of course, good old lazy Jay, there's his chance, man. He's chance to be on DDP yoga's Instagram and be the face of it sort of thing. Yeah, he was going to be all over it. Just it went back to old school lazy Jay, just too lazy to fill out the forms. And that is a true story. A true story is all. He could have been there with Jake the Snake Roberts, Scott Hall, DDP. But no, he's just like, <laughs> oh, fill out this form, give it. Come on, DDP, you idiots. <laughs> I wish there was. This is not even a joke. This is, <laughs> this is a dead true story. Um, yeah, so Jay, if you're listening, I'm sure you are, buddy. Come on, man. There's some things that you need to just get into. April play goes, now, Jay, I'm not going to do this. There's one thing. I'm not going to fill out those forms for you. Uh, screw that, you idiot. And I bet you he's like, well, I'll show you. And, and now here he is. But let's listen. Um, chance, man. I remember him showing me the papers. But let's jump back straight into uh, TNA for a second, because this edition, uh, episode number three of Maximum Impact, we're going to talk about some of our favorite gimmick matches. And Nettie, the first thing that a lot of people notice, at least when I show them TNA, is how different it looked back in the day to WWE. First off, we had the six-sided rings. And just the entire premise of the thing was 
where are the alternative? We've often said this, TNA was definitely the alternative to the WWE at the time. Nowadays, you have so many, so much stuff. You've got Ring of Honor, you can jump onto YouTube, you've got the WWE Network, you've got Fight TV, there's so much stuff. Back then, it was just like, no, no, you either eat the WWE and enjoy the meal, or you'll wait until like a Saturday night or a Monday night and you watch TNA. And TNA did their damn best to not be WWE light because that's where a lot of people sort of um, faltered. They did, they really revolutionized a lot of things. In fact, we thank a lot of the things that TNA did in 2021. Oh, 100%. And I love how you said, let's get back into the impact <laughs> for a second. We've just rambled on about nothing for the first 15 minutes about Jay and whatnot. But yes, that is exactly right, Nims. That's TNA gave us that alternate, like, because we've always talked about, like, WWE's there. It's sort of had that G-friendly thing, but there's that whole audience. It's not as big as the WWE mainstream audience, obviously, because you've got kids and whatnot that can, you know, be covered there. But there's once WCW left and, you know, ECW had folded sort of thing, well, they both folded. Both, yeah. Where are those sort of more hardcore, more extremists going to go? And of course it was TNA and it's, it's still to this day, one of the biggest hidden gems. And when you talk about things that attracted you to this wrestling federation was how cool and how different it looked. You had your six sides of uh, your six sided rings and all of these amazing gimmick matches. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight, man. Let's start off talking about the six side, uh, the six sided ring, because the ultimately the biggest difference was something that made what you would think is a staple, a cage match, for example. In TNA, a cage match was the six sides of steel because you had a six-sided ring and it just made the matches yeah. even more intense. And I think we all remember that awesome, um, we would have seen it numerous times, Elix Skipper doing the little tightrope walk on the cage. Like, how cool was that? That was amazing right there. That's sort of like the... If you're wanting to show someone what TNA is capable of and what you're missing out on, Roll to that reel right there, Nims. That's what it's all about, man. I loved it. I thought it was so cool because it was a visual like you never saw. And the best part about that entire thing, Don West loses his absolute mind because it was something that you never saw anyone do. No, that's exactly right, man. The six sides of steel. And of course they had their lockdown pay-per-view where it was all six sides of steel matches. And that's what sort of... I remember you posting something. This is the only lockdown that we want to be a part of the TNA lockdown, man. Just to relate to that of recent with all this COVID nonsense. The only lockdown I want to be a part of is the, you know, six sides of steel pay-per-view that happened. Man, I would, they're just just so awesome, Nim. They were really, really cool. And we actually jumped on uh, our our Facebook page, the Maximum Impact Facebook page. I want to quickly mention Dave Thompson, who popped down, Raven's Clockwork Orange House of Fun. Now, this was in the early days of TNA. This is at the very start. And apologies, Dave. No, I did get Dave's name right. I'm pretty sure it was Dave Thompson. Yes, thank no, you, Dave. You Dave Thompson, great dude right there. And I've been meaning to shout him out on the first two. Big shout outs to Dave. Big TNA fan. And I've known this man for quite a while now. Big part of Magic Ninja Australia as well. Loves his pro wrestling and is all about it. So thank you for the props, man. Thank you for, and also thanks for making us relive the Clockwork Orange uh, match. It was Raven versus the Sandman. This is one of the most bloody violent matches. You mentioned how the WWE was very much like a G-rated product. It was very much like, uh, it was catered towards kids. And that's 
what they do to this day. Like that's why AEW is so successful because bringing back names like CM Punk and stuff like that, where because there are fans that are still like you and me, Nettie, that are older and prefer, you know, we're not hating on anything here. We're just sort of saying like you want something catered to you a little bit, which is what AEW does. And when you go off, when you've got a PG product in the WWE and then you look at some of the brutality and the most bloody violent matches that you get in like 2003, which is a much different time, Raven yeah. really brought that. Yeah, those two boys aren't soft right there, are they? The Sandman and Raven. I still <laughs> the Sandman's one of the most nuts people out there. What what's he up to these days, Nim? I think um like he still does a couple of indie shows these days. Like unfortunately with a lot of the um with a lot of the um ECW dudes, injuries and stuff have really caught up to him. You see guys like I was Rob gonna Man. say, man, not too many of those guys would be doing much after the age of forty, you would think after the the brutal amounts of, you know, shock and injury they've had over mm. the years. In fact, RVD has gone on record saying that, like, you know, the reason that he doesn't wrestle as much is because he hates that he can't do. And this is something that you and I can really uh, resonate with here, Nettie. In his, because his brain hasn't changed, his body has, and there's so much stuff that we know yeah. that we <laughs> that we'd love to be able to still do because our brain thinks, "What are you talking about? Man? You can still do this," but the body's like, "No, you can't." <laughs> Yeah, no, you cannot. RVD needs to do some more of those D-grade horror movies. Johnny and I broke out one, and it'll be we'll be doing a little bit of a touch-up on this on the We're Old Now podcast at some stage. Watching RVD in Three-Headed Shark Attack, Nim, he just sort of appeared from nowhere in the middle of the movie. No sort of – it's just bizarre. Like, there's sort of a half script, and then all of a sudden RVD's there, and he's trying to save the show from a three-headed shark. And, well, maybe that's what he has to do now that he can't get in there and, you know – uh, bump shoulders with the lads as much we talk about though but like there was a great documentary and i think i popped it up on my twitter a while back but it's called like uh, wwe icons or something on the wwe network and it focuses on rvd and it touches everything about rvd's career from his um start as a power lifter his wcw run I'm talking like old school trying to break in his ecw run it even focuses on his tna run as well and also even focuses on how the best thing to happen to him recently has been Katie Forbes and you might Katie Forbes is amazing man yeah and and because what we don't know about RVD and he's very very open in this chat and I heartily recommend that you check it out he talks about how he was going through some pretty tough times um, just in the mid 2015s because he was going through a divorce all he's ever done is wrestle and you know, have his, have his wife and dog. His dog passed away. His wife divorced him. He had mm. family issues, all this sort of stuff. And then the pandemic hits. So he talks about how, like, Katie really encouraged him to, no, no, you can still wrestle if you want. If you can't do it all the time, why don't you try acting? Because you can still be creative. You can still do all that. And, you know, you enjoy it. So why not? So, yeah, it's, it's a really cool little documentary. Oh, that is cool. You're going to have to send me a link to that because I'd be very interested to check it out. And the great thing about Katie and Rob is they don't really leave much on the table. 
table, so to speak, in some of their stuff on Impact of recent. There's like Rob Van Dam in a hot tub with Katie Forbes and two other broads making out. And it's like, whoa, man, that's the sort of stuff that Herb will be watching in that box of videos that you found back in the day. But it's free on TNA Impact. <laughs> uh, he's still there, isn't he? Like he hasn't actually popped up in a while. Is he just on a bit of a break from it? I assume he's still with Impact. He's actually back in the WWE fold at the moment uh, because he actually appeared on the mo- one of the most recent Raw Legends nights, but he's not actually oh, signed. He's actually, but he's not actually signed to anyone. He's he's a freelancer. He because and that's how he prefers it because that way he says I can come in and out. I can do whatever I need. I, I can do movies if I feel like wrestling. I don't have to do it on the big stage. I can just you know yeah go here and there. And he it's really a, he that's just the life that he likes to lead now. But we talk about these ECW dudes because Tommy Dreamer still goes to this day in ECW, not ECW, sorry, in TNA wrestling brackets impact wrestling got to get the name right yep. but uh tommy dream has still got a lot left in the tank and he was also a big part of that hardcore revolution that was really uh something that tna moved into a little bit because you had people like we mentioned abyss we forgot about abyss but we did remember him pretty quickly afterwards but like <laughs> we mentioned him there man <laughs> but like things like the lethal lockdown that is a hell of a match that that was pretty, pretty brutal, pretty violent with all the weapons and whatnot. And uh, didn't they even oh, like yeah, lethal do, lockdown right up there with my favorite. Didn't they even like do like a little, a lethal lottery match too, where there was different levels with like, so like level two would have all these weapons strung up in the ring. The bottom one would be like, there was all these different things that they tried to do. I remember that. Yeah. So you'd go up and, and then there'd be like more brutal weapons and then up more brutal or however yeah. it worked. Yeah. That was really cool. What was it called? The lethal lottery. Lethal See, lottery. I miss all this sort of stuff, but I think this is where they were getting the fire Russo chance and that sort of stuff. Cause I'm a, that's why I love TNA so much is because you didn't know what you were going to get, like crazy sort of gig matches. That was one of the better ones, man. I thought it was kind of cool. I thought it was pretty cool too, because it was, it, it sort of just was like an evolution of the cage match a little bit there. But um, we yeah. talk, we talk about uh, how TNA would evolve matches a little bit. And the lethal lockdown was a really cool one, because if you've ever watched a war games match or like elimination chamber match, lethal lockdown was pretty much kind of like that. Like that was TNA's take on, the multi-man cage match. The thing, and we mentioned this a fair bit, one of the biggest strengths of TNA was the X division. Like it's second to none. And what we sort of see now with, you know, Cruiserweight style and the 205 Live, this was happening on the daily in TNA. And you talk, you look at guys like AJ Styles, Christopher Daniels, Kazarian, um, Jay Lethal, all of these names that are still going now, admittedly, like AJ Styles isn't as much of a high flyer as he used to be, but he's still damn good. But all of these, yeah. this is how all these guys got their mark, didn't it? Yeah, like this was their original stomping ground. Like we've spoken about on previous podcasts. If you want to see them at their best in their prime, like I know people say, AJ Styles, man, this is still going strong to this day. But dude, in TNA, it was something on another level. Yeah. And it's uh, relatively unseen when you think about the uh, amount of people that follow wrestling in the world. This is like a little hidden gem that you could just go out and be mind blown seeing AJ Styles in some of these matches. That's why I want to mention the next evolution of the X Division style was the Ultimate X. Like how good of a match was Ultimate X? So if you don't know what an Ultimate X match is, they actually started this back well before the six-sided ring came in here. So imagine 
a ladder match. Like everyone knows what a ladder match is. You've got the belt, you've got the title hanging up above the ring and you've got to climb up, get it. And you win the match, climb the ladder, get the title. Boom. You've won. The ultimate X match was way bigger than that because there's no ladder. There is nothing. It is just a four cables or two cables, sorry, crisscrossing the ring post, making a giant X and they hang either the briefcase or, or the title or whatever it is in the middle of the ring. And that's the only way I can get it. And it AJ Styles is someone that really shone in ultimate X matches. Oh yeah. This is like the ultimate, almost the ultimate match here. Probably it's a most well-known pay-per-view or their most well-known gimmick match. I'd say so. I'd have to say, because like we talk about, we, we mentioned things like briefly, the Clockwork Orange match was pretty limited. The lethal lockdown match only happened once or twice, but the Ultimate X, this was like their rabbit in the hat. They could just pull that out any time. And he had a whole I bunch of names. bringing it back a little while ago. It wasn't too long ago, but the old brain, not too great at the moment. They brought it back a couple of pay-per-views ago or possibly even on an episode of Impact. And it was, it's still going strong, man. You're actually spot on there, Nettie. At Slammiversary this year, so a couple of months back in July, actually a couple of months back, last month, in, in July. <laughs> All the way to last month. <laughs> last, you're like, yeah, you're spot on, old guy. Well done. <laughs> but yeah, they brought back Ultimate X, Josh Alexander versus Ace Austin versus Chris Bay versus Petey Williams versus Rohit Raju and Trey Miguel in an Ultimate X match, the first Ultimate X match in two years. How good is that? Oh, yes, man. It was very much epic as well. I remember it well like it was last month. As well. <laughs> and, and the thing too about the Ultimate X match, I'm just looking at some of the stats here right now. The, the person who is most successful in an Ultimate X match, see, I'll, I'll, let's see if we can test your memory here. Out of everyone that's been through TNA, who do you reckon is the most successful in the Ultimate X match? Well, it'd have to be AJ, surely. Nope. No, oh, he's, he's no okay. So it's not AJ. Who else would be Saban? Spot on, absolutely yes. spot on there, man. It goes so the top five, the top five, um, in terms of victories. Actually, we'll go top four because, um, the fourth place there's a lot of like people to fit onto that little step. But the top three in Ultimate X Chris Saban with eight victories, Christopher Daniels with oh, five. Yeah. And we, we've said this numerous times, Alex Shelley with four victories. So the guns. Machine guns, man. They're innovators for the X Division. Well, where the hell is AJ? Did he get in that top five at all? I've gone out and said number one. I just always think of him as the face of TNA. So I'm like, oh, surely it's, surely it's him. Yeah, AJ Styles would be an equal fourth with Eddie Edwards, uh, Doug Williams, Petey Williams, and uh, Matt Bentley. Oh, yeah, Matt Bentley. I remember him well. <laughs> <laughs> now, the, the Ultimate X match, the Ultimate X match definitely was one of the highlights of CNA. They then amped it up a little bit more to the Elevation X. Do you remember Elevation X? I am going to be 100% honest here and say no, not off the top of my head. What the hell was the Elevation X? So Elevation X, I didn't actually know that there was a handful of Elevation X matches. I could only remember the one between um, AJ Styles and Rhino. But uh, yeah. Elevation, Elevation X, I could kind of see why they didn't 
do it too many times. It was basically X-shaped scaffolding on top of the ring and they would fight on top of it. So basically, if you take one step wrong, you're falling. You are falling from all that height straight down to crash to the ring. So you can see why they probably didn't do it too much. Yeah, from probably a couple of near-death experiences. So you're saying that the X was in the scaffolding on the top. So you've got like all these, wow, mm. all these spots where you could fall through and just cripple yourself. That Some of correct. those matches, man. Like, you know, there's that gimmick match with the big dome. I don't, what was that one called where they had to crawl, through, the, the, crawl the through the top of the, the dome? Or, the Terror Dome, man. I remember hearing interviews with wrestlers afterwards saying that thing was one of the most impossible matches ever to try and climb up through there. Like it was a full-on kill. And I don't think that returns too many times. No, it was a one and done. That was the one where it was either Homicide or Hernandez tried to climb out the top, but he couldn't because so the dome is curved. <laughs> and so they'd climb the cage and then climb up there and then they'd have to try yeah. and climb out there. Now you need to have incredible core strength to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I remember hearing an interview with someone saying like, that was just an absolute killer and you're on live pay-per-view there. Imagine if like, and you've just wrestled like the uh, hell of a match as well. And you're trying to get out the top of that bad boy. Damn. It's lucky we had a winner. It just goes for an hour and a half and they're still trying to get there <laughs> by the end of it. You've got Hernandez, you know, trying to piggyback homicide through like, man, like, some of these matches I just don't think weren't too thought through. Yeah. Some of them were a little bit questionable. Like we, we've gone through, you know, the lethal lockdown. That's definitely a big tick. Ultimate X, big tick. So, and you could clearly see that someone's gone, hey, all of these sound great. What do we, why don't we make an X-shaped scaffold? And someone's gone, let's try <laughs> it. Let's try this. And you know, the person that's made that decision isn't someone that's going to be in the match. No. That was still cool to watch from our perspective, mm. but we're not pro wrestlers as much as, you know, well, I don't think I ever really wanted to be. I wanted to be a manager of herbs mm. being a pro wrestler, but no, he wouldn't let me. <laughs> but so as we've sort of seen, there's a couple of hits, a couple of misses there that we also had another weird match type where it was like a reverse battle Royal. So strange, a very strange one there where your objective was to get into the ring and be the last one standing kind of like a reverse Royal Rumble. I get it. I get what they were trying to do. But there is a very controversial match type, which we'll sort of end on. And I reckon this is the signature match. This is what TNA are known for the most. And that is the King of the Mountain match. Now, I don't know about you, Nettie, but I love the oh, King of the Mountain Jared match. King of the Mountain. Yeah, 100%, man. King of the Mountain. But before you get into that, I wanted to ask you about the electrified cage match. <laughs> Like, because we were, we were on the topic of these crazy gimmicks. Everyone's given this a massive thumbs down. You you said you don't remember watching it, do you? No, no. I remember hearing about it and seeing clips or here. And maybe that's why I don't think it was so bad. Because, like, when you put it into, like, a three-minute video package, everything looks good. Oh, man, I really enjoyed it. I remember watching this. The Dudleys were in it. And every time they touched the cage, it was the, the most over-the-top zaps. And like we were saying, like the fire Russo chants and all that sort of thing. But I just wanted to get that out there because I, I definitely did enjoy that. I was one of the ones not chanting that. I was going, hell yeah, man, this is cool. Anytime the Dudleys are in stuff, if there's anyone that you ever want having your back, it's Devon Dudley. Because the man will like, no, 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 we're going to do this. I'm going to sell this like death. 
Well, if it was realistic, it pretty much is death because they're getting electrified every time they touch it. Oh, man, some fun time. Pro wrestling, can you get anything more fun? I do not think so. Damn, love it. I don't know if you've seen this recently, and trust me, we will get to the King of the Mountain match. This is we'll we'll just we're taking the scenic route here, but yeah, what, I'm sorry. No, 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 no. Something I do get to mention is very recently. Now I don't know how much AEW you watched, Nettie, but um, I think their pay per view was I was called Revolution, or maybe it was Full Gear. I can't quite remember. But at the end of it, it finished with John Moxley, aka Dean Ambrose stuck in the ring as a giant explosion's about to go off. Now, did you hear about this, Nettie? So no, th- this is all news to me here. So there is a big countdown on the screen. There is a huge countdown. It's ready. It's like five, four, three. And the commentators, Tony Schiavone, everyone, JL's like, oh, no, what's going to oh, happen boy. here? What's going to happen? Oh, no, Moxley's going to be killed. Kenny Omega's a murderer. What's happened? And then, oh, like four sparklers come out of the the corner of the ring and then like there's a couple of but the thing is they are selling it like they're like boxley's dead oh my god what sorry tony shivani is the best in the game he wouldn't let that epic file fail let him down there man wow i need to check that one out as well Damn it, AEW has really gone ahead and lifted their game, haven't they? So I'm trying to keep up with everything. I've got my my boy Brady going, we've got to watch AEW. They've got CM Punk back there. We need Mm. to, or they've got CM Punk there. We need to check this out. So that's definitely on the hit list, Nims. It's a matter of trying to get all this wrestling in. Unfortunately, it sort of means pushing WWE back a little bit, man. And they're still doing good things. I hear from you and Herb, SummerSlam was good as well. Yeah, hell yeah, dude. This is actually a very, very good one. But, um, Nettie, I'll show you a photo. This is what's actually happened. Uh, the AEW Revol- so it's AEW Revolution, and this is what we sort of mean like, you know, no matter how good something is, if you don't laugh at the funny little, uh, <laughs> little missteps, you know, don't take things too seriously here. But yeah, fans were absolutely hating on this one. This is probably the oh, biggest, I bet they were those keyboard warriors. We need to get herbs on for a 25 minute talk about keyboard warriors again. <laughs> And this is what the funny thing too is because a lot of wrestlers have come out and said, well, what what did you want to happen? Did you want John Moxley to die? Is that actually like, <laughs> you promised us an exploding ring. How dare you? So yeah, here it is, Nettie. I don't know if you could see it, but this is the explosion that happened. So as you can see, there's Moxley in the middle of the ring. And that's the exploding yeah. ring. It looks like Kane has just entered. It, that really is just Kane's entry, isn't it? You can just <laughs> picture him there in the middle doing his thing. But, you know, actually, the way you were selling, I thought it was going to be worse than that. I was expecting, yeah, like two little birthday cake, like mm. things going off, like the sparklers. Yeah. Still I, worth a watch, though? Definitely worth a watch. But it's one of those things where it left a bad taste in everyone's mouth. But look, we're not talking about AEW. We are talking about TNA. And we're going to talk about their... F- their signature match, the king of the mountain match. Jeff Jarrett is the king of this one. And, you know, there's been a lot of people that have uh, taken part in this king of the mountain match. Christian Cage was another victorious king of the mountain winner. AJ Styles has been in it as well. And so much more. EC3 more recently. But um, the king of the mountain match gets a lot of hate. And I quite don't understand because it's a pretty simple, it's a very simple sort of, match type yeah like take you, us through the concept of the king of the mountain there as well so the king of the mountain match like for those playing at home essentially you get the belt 
and you hang it, but the, and you hang it up. So rather than climb the ladder, get the belt and hang it up there. Pretty simple. Yet, I, and I think this is just one of those things where people hate on TNA just yeah. to hate on TNA because it's a pretty good, it's a pretty good match type. Let's just say we're having a King of the Mountain match. You got five guys in there. You have to get a pinfall though. I, I can sort of see why, why it gets a bit confusing, but you got to get a pin. That way you're eligible to climb the, climb the ladder and hang the briefcase, the title, whatever. But it's not that hard. So I don't quite get why people hate it so much. Probably because you've got a lot of borderline morons that do watch. <laughs> this is true. This is true. Like, you know there what is I mean? A- like, what, what? You've got a pin first before you're eligible. I don't get, you know, like it's it's not exactly rocket science right there. So it, with the penalty boxes, refresh me, Nim, with my old man brain here. Hmm. How do they get penalized and put in those boxes? Is that when they, the when you get the pin, gets pinned there yeah. The, yeah, yeah. Like, okay, cool. Like, see what I mean? Like, it doesn't seem that complex, but you're right. Like, most wrestling matches are just like, you know, step one, step two, win. Whereas this one yeah. actually requires a little bit of thinking. And to be like, if you could have a pinfall in the Royal Rumble, it's like, pins? But you just throw them over the rope. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? It's all so confusing for me now. Like, it's trying to explain the some of the war games and that sort of stuff as well really gets... Um, wrestling fans all bent out of shape as well, doesn't it? From back in the day on WCW, I remember there were some rules in that where it's like all over the top before you can do anything. And it just gets a little bit too much for some of our uh, friends. Which is which is so silly because I love how now everyone's like, bring back war games. War games needs to be brought back. And they did bring back war games about five or six years ago. But when you think about war games, that's the most complicated match in the world. What? So two teams of five, start off and there's a coin toss at the start of the match to determine who gets to be in the ring first then at 90 second intervals or two minute intervals or whatever the interval time is one person will run down from a team we don't know what team it will be but you're hating on king of the mountain you love war games but you're hating on come on guys that's just that's just beat haters for the sake of beat haters it is, and there's a lot of that in the wrestling community, unfortunately. But yeah, I'm with you. I love King of the Mountain. It probably isn't my favorite, but are you ending on King of the Mountain because that is your number one? I'm. I'm, I'm if gonna, you could watch any gimmick match, you're saying King of the Mountain. I'm going to say, yeah, I'm definitely going to say because that to me, like, you know, you think of um, like WWE, their ultimate match, I'd say Hell in a Cell. Like, you know, there's yeah. certain matches like, well, what about you? What, what's the if you had to give someone one gimmick match, would you pick Ultimate X? Uh, it's so hard. Like, you know what I mean? It, 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 Ultimate X, or maybe Lethal Lockdown. Yeah, um, that's true. Because I really, I do like a Six Sides of Steel match. Like, there's some brutal ones right there. It's, I'd probably go, yeah, those two. I reckon mm. Ultimate X or Lethal Lockdown. I like it a little bit more hardcore. What What about when those, you know, those really crazy abyss matches? What did he used to be in? Like oh, the, the Monsters, Monsters Ball, ball match. Probably- I'm glad you brought that up because I can't forget or- about that. <laughs> Poor abyss. He's getting yeah, such a bad run say, of this. It's actually probably, more- <laughs> man, that's what it's like. It could be a little spin-off of We're Old Now because listening back to the last one, I'm like, man, I've got to talk to Azor. It's really quite evident that my brain is getting worse and worse. But yeah, Monster's Ball is basically anything goes. Abyss is an absolute, I was going to say he's an absolute monster in this. <laughs> well, he is, man. Like, he just absolutely cleans house. Anything goes. I'd say, yeah, so let's go Monsters, Ball, Ultimate X, all the six sides of steel for me. 
It's a coin toss. Probably mm. Monsters Ball, actually. Ugh, I'm getting older. Than, I don't know. They're all good. Well, the Monsters Ball, that that's the thing that I love about the Monsters Ball matches was like you, there is not a bad Monsters Ball match. Like there are some King of the Mountain matches where you're like, eh, I don't know about that one. I didn't really need, yeah, you know, like, like you need to have the right players involved in a King of the Mountain match. Whereas a Monsters Ball match, like Abyss always brought it. Yeah. But yeah, so that's, that's, I reckon that, that'd be, but we've just gone through an insane amount of unique matches that TNA did. And the thing is, like we sort of see now with AEW trying some new things, some of, and AEW have had a lot of home runs. They've had pretty much one dud, and that was that barbed wire exploding match, which they haven't done again. <laughs> and, and there's a thing too TNA have done some dud matches like the electrified cage. Clearly, they haven't done that again. But the things that worked, they worked spectacularly, wouldn't you say? Yeah, 100%. I think they are the masters of the gimmick match. And like I said, when we were talking about that first initial reaction in TNA on a previous podcast, it was because of the gimmick matches, is because they were stepping outside of the box and not afraid to give things a try. They, they weren't playing at safe nims with this sort of stuff right there. Like, you can't just have a monster's ball match and, you know, invite in young Brody Tepper at the age of eight or whatever to watch this because you are going to get nightmares right there. So mm. they were definitely giving the, not the average wrestling fan, something to watch and something to get behind. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, do yourself a favor. We might even post a couple of YouTube links up on our uh, maximum impact Facebook page, but let us know what are some of your favorite TNA matches, match types. Did you like the six side steals? Maybe, maybe you're sitting there going, "Man, I can't believe these guys are really crapping on uh, the electrified cage match." That was a, that was an absolute classic. So let us know what you think, man. That's my hands up. I'm down with the electrified <laughs> cage match. I was never hating on that, man. I thought it was cool, <laughs> and that's what we're all that's what we're all here about. Like, if you if there is a TNA match, what's your favorite King of the Mountain match? Maybe you love the Elevation X matches. Maybe our old man brains have forgotten a very vital one, and you're like. Like, I can't believe they didn't mention dot, dot, dot. Here's the more important question. Did we forget something? Yes. Did we forget a match that you think was worth putting in there? Because quite possibly, yes, we did. I'm going to go out and say it there as well. But there is so much fun, so much flavor, and so many great gimmick matches to check out in Total Nonstop Action slash Impact. How about that Jeff Hardy, Matt Hardy match, dude? What The final deletion. Oh, yes, mm-hmm. of course. That's my favorite TNA match of all time. I I'm going to go out and say it. it was one of the most ridiculous matches I've ever seen, but at the same time, I love it. It was the reasons why I love pro wrestling. It, it was out there, bizarre fun. And the thing about the final deletion is, so there is a whole bunch of final deletion matches. I think there's the final deletion, the um, so there's the final deletion, delete or decay, Total non-stop yeah. deletion. So those are all done in um, in TNA. Then Matt Hardy went to WWE. They did the ultimate deletion. I think that's the only one that they've done. And then I think they also did one in AEW, which I can't remember. So these, that match type started in TNA and has spanned three big companies. That's pretty cool. And the thing is, is I don't care what anybody says. Those bigger corporations, you know, the WWE does copy a fair bit off TNA mm. and nobody knows about it because it's relatively unheard of. Off the top of your head, testing out your old man brain because my old man brain's 
been trying to think of it the whole time we've been talking about the final deletion. What was the name of Matt Hardy's drone? It was just so funny. I cannot remember it for the life of me right now. Vanguard one. That's it. Oh man, <laughs> just hearing it, Vanguard one. That is so awesome. And yes, I remember seeing him in some over-the-top gimmick match on AEW with Vanguard one, where he ended up in a pool and there was a football field and mm. all this sort of crazy stuff right there. The final deletion is kind of like forgetting Abyss when we were talking about the all-time players yes. last week. Forgetting about the final deletion, I think that's that's a how could we forget about the final deletion, man? I love that. I know, man. I absolutely know. But uh, I'm, I'm actually going to look to see if there's any final deletion matches that I've missed out because there is a lot. So we've got, yeah. So you've got, <laughs> oh my God, there is so many deletion matches. This is what's so fantastic. Is there so, really? The yes. first one is by far the best. Like you can't go past that first one. And that Matt Hardy, the... That Matt Hardy character is the best Matt Hardy character. It's just so awesome. So yeah, so you had uh, the the final deletion. The ultimate deletion was in WWE, and I think it was the elite deletion. Matt Hardy yes. versus Sammy Guevara in the elite deletion. See, we need more time on this in a way to say what that number one match is. Um, because that number one gimmick match. I don't know. So you got to run still. With King of the Mountain, I'm going to go with King of the Mountain. We'll leave it there. But you know what we'll do? We're going to put a we'll put a poll up. Let us know what you think on our Facebook page. Put it in the comments. Let us know because there is, as we've seen, there is so many different match types that have that exist in companies that are still around today. TNA even brought it back. Brought back Ultimate X. I doubt the WWE is going to yeah. bring back uh, Ultimate Deletion by any <laughs> soon, but the fact that those deletion matches managed to span three companies—it's pretty, pretty big feather in the cap for Matt Hardy. Yeah, it most definitely is right there. Hats off to the one and only Matt Hardy. Love it. I just love this podcast. It gets me thinking and throwing back to the better times, man. Hundred percent. And we'd love it if you can get involved with this too. Like, let us know what you'd like to hear on the Maximum Impact podcast. Check it out. Like our Facebook page as well, facebook.com forward slash Grey Wolf Impact. And while we're talking Grey Wolf, there is so much coming in the pipeline. We just mentioned the We're All Now podcast, which is out. Two fantastic episodes. Reliving the War celebrates one full year. So we're really stoked for that. And I know Simon and I are absolutely, we were from day one uh, stoked that you hosted us on the, the Grey Wolf Network, man. It was absolutely stoked to be part of it and uh we're going to be doing it for years and years to come so i want to first off thank you for hosting us and two we got a lot coming too oh yeah man that's the great thing about that reliving the war podcast is you guys are one year down happy birthday to you and thank you for all that you do but we've still got plenty and plenty because you're only in year 1997 at the moment aren't you <laughs> know. or is it six no no you, we, you got... we started with 96 last year now we're into 1997 and yes, the Monday no. night, there's at least four more years. <laughs> <laughs> four more years to come. I love it right there. Well, you'll always have a home here at the Great Wolf Entertainment Network. One last thing on the topic of gimmick matches and whatnot. Do you remember right before COVID, they were going to have a one-off special where they brought back this excited ring? Do you yeah. remember this, Nims? I remember you telling me about it. Yeah. Have you heard whether they're going to do this again? Um, COVID is still playing a lot of havoc with what's going on. Mm. Um, but yes, that what was going to be the 
the name of the event was going to be called Impact Wrestling, Total Nonstop Action, There's No Place Like Home. And yeah, COVID ruined that. So fingers crossed that that's still in the pipeline. Impact's getting some pretty good crowds. Christian Cage, if you haven't seen Resurgence, have you watched Resurgence yet, Nettie? I haven't, man. It's on the to-do list. I won't I won't spoil anything, but it is a fantastic pay-per-view. And it even starts off with a, an absolute belt of a match with my boy Matt Cardona, aka Zach Ryder. But the main event, Brian Myers versus Christian Cage for the for the Impact Wrestling World Championship. And the cool thing is too, on the last time that Christian was a world champion was August. 2011 the next time he's a world champion is august 2011 uh sorry 2021 so a pretty cool little thing yeah. he becomes Can a th- he becomes a three-time impact champion which i thought was really really cool oh it's great seeing the belt around his waist there i mean like that is a, an impact wrestler there with the belt it didn't sit well with me it didn't sit well with me when the cleaner had it but now that uh <laughs> With Ed's back in TNA hands, I like it, man. It's very, very good times at Impact Wrestling. In fact, you know, I've just thought of this. Then that's maybe that's what we might do for the next episode. We go through some of our favorite Impact champions because there is a lot that we can go through. We can start off with Ken Shamrock. We can look at AJ Styles. We can look at um, Bully Ray. Like, let's not forget how good Bully Ray was in the Aces and Eights run so uh we might do that in the next couple of edition in the next edition of maximum impact but uh netty man this has been a lot of fun dude hell yeah man thank you for sitting back and trying to you know sort out my brain and get us thinking man like it's been great throwing back and talking pro wrestling at its finest in impact yeah make sure you check it out a big thank you to everyone that does listen stay tuned to the gray wolf entertainment feeds there's some cool things coming along the way and is it is it too late? Maybe we is there is some fresh Grey Wolf merch that is coming out soon. If you have done your pre-orders, they are on the way. They've been all ticked off. We're just waiting, aren't we now, Nettie? Yeah, the boxes have been ticked and they're all getting printed up as we speak, and we'll be hitting your letterbox or pick up very, very soon. And thank you to everyone that got behind it. It was very humbling. Yeah, we'd love to see share share the photos on the socials, It'd be pretty cool. But yeah, I've been Nim Sizor for Ned Tepper. This has been Maximum Impact. We'll see you next time. This has been another presentation from the Grey Wolf Entertainment Network, greywolfentertainment.net.